Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. It's good to be together with you this morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you so much, Pastor Rick, the worship team, the choir. Greetings to those who are worshiping with us online this morning. The scripture says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And this morning, that's our testimony. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was thinking earlier that we, this is not an obligation. This is not a forced practice. We get to do this, folks. We have the privilege of coming together with brothers and sisters of like precious faith. We have the privilege of coming together and freely talking about our Lord, worshiping God publicly as well as we do privately. We have the privilege of gathering together unashamedly, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we should be glad. We should be glad in our hearts for what we have available. Yeah, let's give it up for the Lord. Amen. I want to rather quickly take us to our topic for this morning because there's much we want to share with you in these coming minutes. Today we find ourselves right in the middle of a solidly biblical, wonderfully practical sermon series entitled Four People That Everyone Needs in Our Lives. A few weeks ago we talked about the Holy Spirit, the divine paraclete, the one who is the embodiment of the Spirit of Almighty God, the resident, empowering presence of God in the life of everyone who calls Jesus Lord. Last week we talked about Barnabas, that faithful encourager who comes alongside and, and helps us to know that we can do this thing in Jesus Christ. This week we talk about Paul, the need of a Paul in our lives, one who voluntarily is committed to the growth and spiritual transformation of another. And as we talk about Paul this morning, we're going to talk about the need to be a Paul, or the need to find a Paul, whichever one happens to be our lot this morning. We want to look at both from the word of the Lord. And then we'll conclude this series in the coming week looking at Timothy, one in whose life we get a chance and an opportunity to freely invest our time, our life lessons, our love, as they manage their own spiritual journey in Jesus Christ, learning how to walk in ways that please Him. So today, again, we're going to talk about the need for a Paul, the need for a discipler, the need for a mentor, the need for a spiritual parent in our lives. And I want to use those terms, permit me to do that interchangeably this morning, and I'll make that clearer as we go along. But I want us to look at this third panel here. Paul, the one who reaches down with all that God has invested in him to make sure that he gives unto others those things that God has placed within him. The word says, freely you have received, freely give. And as surely as God has brought many of us to a point of some maturity, wherever we happen to be, and as surely as God has continued to invest in our lives, part of the balance of this walk with Jesus Christ is to be willing to then give to another, to pour into the lives of others, and to help them grow and become mature believers and disciples of Jesus Christ. Although we'll be speaking about Paul and using the language of fatherhood. And we'll do that because I'm going to point us to several portions of Scripture in the language of Paul himself, where he talks about being a father. 
So although we'll be speaking of Paul and using the language of fatherhood, ladies, I want to assure you that this message is for you also. Because when we consider the principles that we're going to address and the, the application of those things, they apply to anyone, to any born-again believer who has a desire to be a disciple-maker, a desire to be a mentor, the desire to partner with someone else in their life as they reach maturity in Christ, and who has a desire then to become a spiritual parent, father or mother in the Lord. Discipleship and mentoring, what we call discipleship and mentoring, are in many ways very, very similar to parenthood. So I'm going to ask you to allow me to consider both today because the scripture addresses both. Parenthood in the natural, mentoring in the natural, and that which is in the spiritual realm in the kingdom of Almighty God. So I might use those terms interchangeably. I'll explain the nuances of them. We might use those terms interchangeably this morning to help us further understand these principles from the word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with me then to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want to read what is perhaps a familiar passage to us as we use this as the springboard for what we're going to talk about in these next few minutes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in the middle of verse 6. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You were witnesses, and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and into his glory. The title for this morning's message is An Apostle's View of Fatherhood. Subtitle, The Demands. The Demands of Discipleship. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, how grateful we are to gather together in your house. How grateful we are, God, to gather with your people, with your church, O oh God. And how grateful we are to gather around your word. Lord, this morning we make ourselves available to you to whatever you would say to us. Help us, O oh God, not to be in these moments enamored with, again, with the issue of sermonizing. But God, help us to consider those principles of your kingdom. Father, would you communicate with us today, God, and make your word vivid. Make your word clear to us. The Lord, we would be hearers of your word, understanding your word this morning. And then, God, grant us the abundance of your grace to be doers of the same. God, now would you bless this time around your word. God, as you do, we pray, God, today, Lord, that your word would last us more than the duration of the message itself. It would take us beyond the corridors of this building or the journey home. God, I pray that as your word is living and active, God, may it find root in our hearts and our minds this day. God, may it transform us, producing fruit, God, not just for this day, but for all of eternity, as we understand these principles of needing to be and needing to have Paul's in our lives. So God bless this time that we pray, and God, we ask these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In my quest to 
see where I would come from in the Word of God in discussing this topic with you this morning. My mind did not go to some of those passages that we automatically go to, it seems, when we talk about the issue of spiritual parenting or mentoring. My mind did not go first to the prodigal son, in whose case we find a son that was full of rebellion and full of offense to his father. As he asked his father, in essence, why don't you just die early so I can have my inheritance now? The father, instead of retaining offense, the father, when he saw his son coming home broken and, and barren, he not only responded to his son and received him, but he refreshed him. And the word of God makes it clear that he restored his son to full placement in the family. My mind did not go immediately to Jethro, the son-in-law of Moses, who, when he saw his son doing a noble work for God and in the name of the Lord, yet failing in some areas, he went to his son-in-law, began to correct him, and gave him words of wisdom from the heart of God. Moses wisely took them, and the kingdom was better for it. But that's not where my mind first went. My thoughts were not provoked initially by the words of Jesus, although he has much to say that would stir us and move us and teach us this day. Nor did my mind rush to those parental injunctions that we find in the book of Psalms and all throughout the Proverbs. That was not where it went. My mind, for some reason, my thoughts turned to the many examples, the often familiar and always provocative words of the Apostle Paul. And I thought, well, why Paul? And my answer to myself was because I'm hard-pressed to find anyone more qualified to talk about the issue of parenthood than the Apostle Paul. And in a moment, we'll talk about the fact that Paul, we have no record in history that I can find that Paul had any biological children, yet we cannot read the writings of Paul and assume that, we can, that, that Paul did not understand all the nuances of parenthood. Paul understood well what it meant to be a parent in the natural and a parent spiritually. So we're going to look at those this morning and allow me to go back and forth between the two because that will help us, I believe, to understand what the Apostle is teaching us. In the book of Philippians, Paul gives a chronicle of various things. I call it his pedigree when he talked about things like being of the tribe of Benjamin and a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And he was a Pharisee and he was zealous for his understanding of the law. But there are other labels that are given to the Apostle Paul that are earned by his activity. But we don't find him referring to himself as these things in Scripture. So let me help us see that a little bit this morning. Paul, the Apostle, was a disciple himself. He was a teacher. He was a steward or manager of that which really did not belong to him. He was a manager of the work of the kingdom of Almighty God. Paul was a missionary. Paul was a pioneer. Paul was an author. The Apostle Paul was a role model. He was an apostle. And the Word of God makes it very clear that Paul was a father. He considered himself a father, even though he did not have, at least we don't recognize, him having any natural children. In the book of Philemon, verse 10, Paul makes an appeal. He said, I appeal to you, the brothers who were there, I appeal for Onesimus, a slave named Onesimus who had come to be a believer. And he said, I appeal for this brother who became a son of mine while I was in chains. While Paul was in prison and could have sat there feeling sorry for himself, the Apostle Paul couldn't help it. He just had to go and make disciples. So while he was in prison, there was a slave who was present named Onesimus, and Paul brought him into the kingdom and called him son. In the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 4, the scripture tells us this is what he wrote to his son Titus. He said, to my son Titus, my son in this faith. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, he, in his common faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, he does the same thing. He talks to Timothy. He writes to Timothy. And he says, my true son in the faith. True there simply means my genuine, my real son, my son in the faith. That one uh, uh, in whose life I consider myself like a father. And then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. The Bible tells us that Paul, in addressing the entire congregation of the Corinthian church, Paul says to them that he looks at them collectively, not just individually, but he looks at the Corinthian believers like a father would look upon the faces of his own children. Paul then makes it very clear in his writings that the primary focus of his writings is toward spiritual fatherhood, a role that was understood a role that was revered and held in high esteem in the first century church. They recognized those who had a place of spiritual leadership, spiritual partnership, and to some degree spiritual authority in the lives of those who were on a quest and a journey to walk in the ways of Almighty God. And Paul understood that. While I have found no record in my studies historically that Paul had any natural children, it is indisputable that Paul understood the roles and the responsibilities and the rights of parenthood, especially of that as a father. And again, ladies, I want to remind you that I'm sharing with, with all of us, with brothers and sisters, so we need Pauls and Paulines in the kingdom of God. I believe that when I look at Paul, because he was so zealous for the word, there are passages, especially some of those rich Old Testament passages that Paul understood, perhaps in greater familiarity than us. Proverbs 13, verse 1 says this, A wise son heeds his father's instructions, but a mocker does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs 13, verse 24, He who spares the rod hates his son. We'll come back to that. But he who loves him is careful to discipline him. He who spares the rod spoils the child. He who spares the rod hates his son. I don't have to tell you the interpretation of that with which I grew up, and many of us did. Some had the belief that if I apply to the seat of their learning, the right hand of fellowship, <laughs> then it will help them to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to justify such contact, we find this passage shared. He who spares the rod spoils his child. But listen to what he said here. He who spares the rod hates his child. We need to understand what this rod is talking about. It's not just a rod of discipline, but it's a rod of authority and a rod of instruction. And the scripture is saying, he who does not instruct his child, discipline them, encourage them, help them to grow. The Bible uses hard language. It says, if we don't instruct our children, we hate them. That'll keep you up at night, folks. It applies in the natural but as those who have a heart to disciple and to mentor others, may I suggest to you this morning it applies also in the spiritual realm. Yes, the Bible says if we love them, we instruct them, we carefully discipline them so they can grow in the ways of Almighty God. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. However, when I look at Paul's instructions to parents and his words about parents, one of the things I was interested to come across is the fact that in Paul's writings about parenthood, most of it did not have to do with the behavior of the children. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Paul says to children, children, obey your parents and the Lord because it's right. And then he says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the earth. That is almost the sum total of Paul's instructions behaviorally to children. But he has several things that he wants to say to we who are parents. And again, may I suggest, in the natural and the same principles apply to spiritual parenthood or what we call mentoring or discipleship. He says this in Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. That word exasperate is an interesting word. You know what it means? It means exasperate. It also means to provoke, to anger, or to rouse to anger. Stir them up. Just get them mad. I don't know if you've ever seen it, and I'm sure nobody, the evangel, has ever done that. To provoke your children to the point where they're just irritated with you. None of us would ever do that. And I'll say a collective amen. But I heard that far, far away, someplace, there are people who do it. I had a relative years ago who, it wasn't my dad, but I had a relative years ago who loved to rouse us to anger. He's taller than myself, formidable in stature, and he had these fingers that were just, they were massive. And what he would do, whenever he would see us, we'd see him several times during the year, he would Hey, Ronnie, good to see you. And I knew it was coming. (laughs) He would take one of those jumbo fingers and thump me as hard as he could on the side of the head. Uh, Back in the day, we would hear all the time, children are to be seen and not heard. So I couldn't say anything. I would secretly go and tell mom that he did it again. Well, that's your, your, in case my relatives see this, it's a distant relative somewhere. That's him, and that's just what he does. And over and over and over again, he was rousing me to anger. The Bible says for us as parents, do not rouse our children to anger because we can be the ones who plant the seeds of discouragement in our children. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21 says this, Fathers, do not embitter. Word can also be translated provoke or to stir up. Do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. How many times do we inadvertently find ourselves doing things that just nudge our kids like crazy? Parents, hear the warning of Paul. We can conduct ourselves in such a way in the natural or spiritually as those who are called upon the mentor that we discourage those who should be walking in the shadow of our presence, the shadow of our teaching. Please permit me this morning then to move back and forth, as I said, between principles that pertain to natural parenthood, natural mentoring, and so on, and that which is in the realm of what we call the spiritual. So this morning, I want to address two very simple questions about the issue of fatherhood or parenthood or mentoring, if you would. And I hope to offer two rather simple answers to these questions. Question number one, fatherhood, what is it? I told my wife that was the first point of what I wanted to share. Hey, Jim, fatherhood, what is it? She said, what are you talking about? Because the answer seems so very, very simple. Let me take you a little bit further, take you into what Paul said. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to read verses 14 through 16. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 through 16, Paul is speaking. He said, I'm writing this 
I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Go back to verse 15. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. I want to explain to you what this idea of guardians happens to be. In the Greek and the Roman culture back at that time in the first century, one of the things parents, affluent parents would do for their boys is they would appoint guardians. Guardians were usually trusted servants, trusted slaves. And they would ask these slaves or give these slaves the responsibility of supervising the actions, the activities, and the moral development of their children. We would think, well, that should be a parent's responsibility, but in the Greek and Roman culture, they would pass that on to somebody else. And these guardians would have that responsibility until those little boys reached the age of majority, somewhere around 13 years old. They had this tremendous responsibility, this tremendous activity to do, but one of the things we understand about guardians, they had absolutely no legal rights over those children. They had no legal jurisdiction, any legal authority over them, and there's only an assumption that they had any kind of parental tenderness or affection. People could be guardians over the children of others and have absolutely no heart affinity for them. They were simply doing their job as slaves of the wealthy owners who were there. That's guardians. Paul said you might have 10,000 guardians, and he was talking now not about raising their children, But in the spiritual community of the Corinthian church, he said you may have 10,000 guardians, those who have a responsibility to pour into you spiritually, those who have a responsibility to help you to grow. He said, but I, King James says, I am the one who has begotten you. I became your father in the gospel. And he makes it very clear why he says this. He said it because of his tremendous affection and his tremendous love for them. Let me talk about for a moment this issue of fatherhood. Again, from the natural and spiritual, as I said I would do. In the natural realm, uncles are good to have. I've had some really, really good uncles. Big brothers are good. Teachers are good. Church brothers are good. Pastors and leaders are good. But by God's design, there is no one like dad. Glory to God. Now, I understand and I recognize that Sometimes, as dads, we fail, and that's not my mission today to talk about our failings. I simply want to talk about what God designed. It doesn't matter if we're surrounded by all manner of wonderful people. God designed that there is no one quite like dad. And I love the fact that God places that mantle upon us. But may I tell you that there's something similar to that when it comes to the spiritual realm. Paul said you may have 10,000 investors in your life. But there was a unique role that Paul claimed to have among the Corinthian believers. He said, I became your father in the gospel. Glory to God. The language there is much stronger than the other. But I want to merge together the concepts of fatherhood and mentoring because it will help us understand the principles this morning. When it comes to the role of father, 
It is as important in the spiritual realm as it could ever be in the natural. Jesus said this. He said, go into all the world and make disciples, make learners. When I look at Paul's writings, Paul seemed to indicate to us that when it came to bringing believers to maturity, bringing them to completion in Christ, it didn't take always just one person. It might take a community. Paul wrote these words. He said that in the church there are apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, guardians, those who are called upon by God to come alongside a person's life and invest in them. These are roles that are vital, and the Scripture says they are for the perfection or the maturity of the saints that we might do the work of the ministry. It takes a community, folks, to build a community of disciples. But may I suggest to you, in the midst of all that, there is still something very special about this unique role of spiritual parenting. One who comes alongside as a, if you would, a spiritual disciple, a, a spiritual rabbi, a discipler, a mentor, a father, if you would. I'll tell you this morning that fatherhood in both realms is more than procreation. Fatherhood, if we understand it, is the responsibility the available, lifelong investment of all that we are and all that we have in the lives of those who would not be here were it not for us. As a father, as a natural father, my job was not done when the delivery date was gone. My son is not a little kid. He's 6'2 and 29 years old. I still have a responsible, lifelong commitment to give my best of all that I am and all that I have to one who would not be here if it were not for me. When you and I lead someone spiritually to the Lord Jesus Christ, ask God to give you something of what they need. You might not be the only guardian. You might not be the only investor in that life. But ask God, Lord, that person came into the kingdom. What can I do to help them continue on this journey in Jesus Christ? When it comes to our time, the 21st century, we as men and women who are believers in Jesus Christ celebrate terms like role model and mentor and disciple and father. We celebrate that. But sometimes our substance doesn't quite match our celebration. We celebrate it in the, in the corporate sense, or in, the, corp, in, the, in the, the corporate sense. I've got a discipleship class. I've got a mentoring training thing. But folks, what about one-on-one? -on -one? They didn't have whiteboards and overheads in the first century. All they had was a throbbing commitment inside that what I've received from Christ, I have an obligation to invest that in somebody else. Glory to God. That's what Barnabas did for Paul. He saw a young new convert who needed protection, who needed education, who needed a mentor, and he came alongside, and he taught him how to walk in God. And sooner or later, the roles flipped, and next thing you know, Paul is the one who's giving the instructions. Glory to God. That's kingdom investment. That's parenthood in the kingdom of Almighty God. Paul said this. He said, follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me in the manner in which I follow Christ. I told you this before, but it does bear repeating. I picked on Andre last service, and to be consistent, I'm going to pick on him again. If Andre was not walking with the Lord, and I met Andre, and I said, Andre, would you like to know what Jesus Christ is like? And Andre says, yeah, Ron, I would. 
I said, okay, good, then I, I can't help you, but talk to Pastor Rick. He'll show you. That's not what Paul was saying. If I'm hearing what Paul is saying and following his footsteps, I would say to Andre, if you want to know what Jesus Christ is like, hang out with me for the next month. Now that sounds either supremely arrogant or supremely biblical. Paul said, follow me, imitate me in the manner in which I follow and imitate Jesus Christ. I used to think that, I used to breathe a sigh of relief thinking, man, Paul said that, I don't have to worry about that. That is, an, is a prescription for every person, every man or woman who calls ourselves a disciple of Jesus Christ. To be able to say, like and with Paul, follow me, walk with me, walk side by side with me in the manner in which I follow Jesus Christ. We sometimes acknowledge this corporately, but my friends, where is the one-on-one? We've got to get back to that one-on-one. Some time ago, the place where I was ministering, there was a young man who wanted to get in touch with me. I had talked to him, and every tidbit of a conversation we had had, it was not more than three minutes. He got in touch with me through somebody else. The person called me and said, hey, this guy wants to sit down and talk with you, uh, but he wanted me to check you out first. I said, okay, fine. Finally, we got back together, and or we got together. The guy called me up. We got together at a coffee shop where we were ministering at that time. And I was intrigued because I had no information about why this gentleman wanted to meet with me. So we sat and we had coffee, and I really wasn't interested in a lot of lighthearted banter. I wanted to see, what, what, do you, what does he want? So you know when you want to know what somebody wants, you know what you ask them? What, what do you want? <laughs> and he said these words. He said, I need, quote, I need a spiritual father. I asked him what it meant, and he told me what he believed it meant. I'm going to tell you the only thing unique about that young man. It was that he took the time. There are many, many people who in their hearts are saying something very similar, but have done nothing with that because of a fear or intimidation or insecurity or whatever it might be. The only thing that was unique about this young man is that he took the time to find us, to scope somebody out that he thought he wanted to emulate on some level. He took the time then to seek them out, to find them and meet with them. And then he put into words the desire of his heart. I want you to teach me something about Jesus Christ. That's what God is calling us to. There are people all around us who need what you have. And don't wait for the professionals so-called to do it. There is no such thing. All of us are disciples of Jesus Christ. Don't allow the, the excuses and fears. Well, I've never done it before, and I don't know enough. I can't quote enough scripture. You're born again. That's the qualifier. Praise God. And if you're born again, with whatever measure of maturity you have, find somebody in whose life you can invest. Be a Paul. Let me tell you the second question, and I'll do this one quickly. First was fatherhood. What is it? Secondly, fatherhood. What does it look like? What in the world does father look, fatherhood look like from a biblical perspective. A couple things I would tell you about it. And I share it with you from Paul's writings to the Thessalonians. Because I didn't want to make anything up. I wanted to say, well, what is Paul telling us about this issue of fatherhood? Let me tell you three things from this passage we read earlier in Thessalonians. Paul makes it clear that true fatherhood and motherhood for all the Paulines. True fatherhood is affectionate. I was telling the nine o'clock gathering that I know some guys who'd rather play in traffic than for somebody to say, man, he sure is an affectionate guy. 
There's something noble about a man who knows how to be affectionate. Not just with our wives, but our children need to see that there's a tenderness that can come from dad just like it can come from mom. It has a different aroma to it, and it should. But through the filter of how God has designed us as men, Paul said he was affectionate as a father to the Thessalonian believers. Paul recognized. When he said to him, he didn't say, I came to you. Or when I came to you, I was tough. And Paul could have said it because Paul was a man's man. Paul got in the face of Simon Peter and called him a hypocrite. Didn't write a letter. Didn't tell him behind his back. He got in his face and said, you're a hypocrite. Paul was a... What we would call a man's man, scaling a wall to try to run, run away from persecution, only to run into it again in the city he was going to. And he survived that too, and he went on to preach for several years. You couldn't shut the guy up. But Paul wasn't just this tough, hard-as-nails guy. Read his writings. Read what he said to the Thessalonians. Read what he said to the Ephesians. When they hugged his neck when he was leaving, and they wept on the neck of this apostle because they knew how much he loved them. Folks, we need to understand that spiritual parenthood is affectionate. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He said, I was gentle among you. Glory to God. I was gentle. He said to them, I was caring. And in Philippians chapter 1 verse 3, he said this, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. There was something caring and tender in the heart of this man who could be as tough as nails. Glory to God. And folks, people need to see that balance. They need to see the strength in believers, male and female, and those who are walking in maturity, that we might invest those same things in the lives of others. I was sharing at 9 o'clock that when I was teaching at the Bible college, there was a young man walking down the sidewalk one afternoon. He's coming the other direction, and as he's coming, he's at a distance, and I could tell there was something amiss. And the closer he got, the more I could see that there was something really wrong. We got close enough, I could see that he was crying profusely, and he said, can I talk to you? So we went, over, went into my office, and we got in the office. This, this young man is about at least 6'2". The first service didn't believe that we were the same height, but <laughs> their perception might be a little bit warped. 6'2", brother, is now weeping, and he begins to tell me. He said, I just got a call from my mom. Then my adopted brother tried to outrun a train in his truck, and it hit him, and he got killed on the spot. And then he said these words. He said, and I quote, I need a hug from a man. And he reached down, not too far down, but he reached down, <laughs> and he wrapped his arms around me, and he shook. He vibrated and just cried and cried. He was beyond words at that point. Paul understood that. He said, as a father... I came to you and I was caring and I was tender in my heart toward you. I was gentle because I looked at you like my own children. Glory to God. True fatherhood is affectionate. True fatherhood is involved. It takes time to be a dad. In both realms, it takes time. Paul said in verse 8 of 1 Thessalonians, he said, I didn't just give you my truth. He said, I did. I gave you truth. But he said, I gave you myself. I gave you who I am. Folks, our kids, our natural kids, our spiritual kids need an investment of ourselves. He told them this because he loved them. And he was in good company. John chapter 13, verse 1. The Bible says that Jesus showed them before he washed the feet of the disciples. The word says he showed them the full extent of his love. Glory to God. True father, 
True fatherhood is affectionate. It's involved. True fatherhood sets an admirable example. Verses 9 through 12. He set an example in labor. He said, you know how hard I worked among you night and day, so I wouldn't be a burden to you. Scripture says things like, if you don't work, you don't eat. The Bible says a man who doesn't take care of his household is worse than an infidel. Paul understood that. And he set an example for them as a father, spiritual father to the Thessalonians in his labor. He set it in his lifestyle. He said, you know, and God is my witness, how holy and righteous and blameless I lived among you. He set an example in his love. The Bible says he was encouraging them, comforting them, urging them to walk in ways that please God. Let me share with you one final thing, and I'm done. I'm going to ask Pastor Rick if he can help us. Paul was a man who understood whatever we choose to call it this morning. He understood the responsibilities of reaching to someone to help them become a disciple. The word basically means a learner. One who learns and takes the instructions given to them as the code of conduct for their life. Paul knew that you can't do that most effectively long distance. But Paul was willing to be a disciple maker. Paul was willing to be what we call a mentor. Paul was willing to be a spiritual father. We don't need to make it up. We see the language, Paul's own language. And again, ladies, this is, this is generic. Paul set an example for every man and every woman who would ever call ourselves a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let me close with these few thoughts. When it comes to the purpose of spiritual parenthood, the purpose of doing what Paul did is to raise up sons and daughters. To raise up sons and daughters in the faith. Folks, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? And not just notches on the proverbial gun. Well, you know, I, I gave an altar call and 16 people gave their lives to Jesus. But we don't walk with them and help them. Or I led a comrade at work to the Lord. I don't talk to him anymore, but, you know, he's there at the next cubicle. Jesus said, make disciples. Help people to learn. Help them to understand. Help them to obey whatever I've commanded you. And he said, I'll be with you always, even to the very ends of the earth. The purpose, we look at, at this whole idea, the purpose is to make spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. And I pass that on to every one of us this morning, man and woman. That's our purpose. The pattern, the spiritual pattern, parenting or mentoring or discipling, that is that it's designed not to usurp not to usurp anything. As spiritual parents and as mentors, we are not called to usurp the role of biological parents. God never asked you to come along and bump mom and dad out of the way. That's not what God asked us to do. But we come in partnership, in tandem with godly parents to invest on whatever level God allows and children invite us to. We're not to usurp the role of God. You and I are not God, and we never will be. So we're not God in that person's life, so they don't need the Word anymore. They need the Holy Spirit. They've got us. God help us from ever aspiring to that. And we're not there to tell them what to do. We come along, and we follow the pattern of Scripture to help them become sons and daughters of God. Lastly, 
Not only its purpose and its pattern, but what is the priority? What is the priority of discipleship? What is the priority of mentoring? What is the priority of spiritual parenthood? It is simply this. John said this in one of his smaller epistles. He said, I have no greater joy than this, than to know that my children are walking in the truth. That is the priority of every natural or adoptive parent. If our children make billions of dollars, we celebrate that with them. But what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I'd rather our children be, I was going to say broke. I don't wish that on anybody. I'd rather them be conservatively comfortable and serving God than have all the abundant material stuff of the world and go to hell. Priority one, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. One last verse I would give you. Paul said this. What we call Galatians 4.19. He said, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul said, I feel pregnant. Like I'm in labor. I just ache so much to see the image of Christ formed in you. That's the priority of being a Paul. This morning, as we, talk, uh, as we talk about Paul, I know that there are some within the sound of my voice whom God has been nudging. It's time. It's time to give. It's time to invest. It's time to step it up a notch. But we offer God excuses, or we've been afraid, or we thought, how do I do it? How do I go about doing that? But today, God is inviting us again. If you have felt in your heart that God is nudging you to become a Paul, to make yourself available, just available, to give away what you have, what you know in Christ Jesus, then I want to invite you to come. We want to pray for you this morning. And I'm sure, I'll tell you why I'm sure there are some soon-to-be Pauls in this place, because the Spirit of God wouldn't have wasted the time planting that in my heart if that was not the case. So this morning... If you're here and you know God is nudging you, it's time to step up. It's time to step up and make yourself available to somebody who might need you to reach down to them and help them grow. I'm going to ask you very quickly to come to the altar. We want to pray with you. I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to belabor because you know if the Spirit of God has spoken to you. Man or woman, if God is nudging your heart to make yourself available to invest in somebody, Come up very quickly. We want to pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. The kingdom needs you. There are men and women, who maybe your age, maybe younger, maybe older, who need you to invest in their lives, need you just to say, God, I'm willing. You don't have to know everything. If that was the qualifier, we'd all have to leave. But you just know, God, I want to be used. I want to pour into somebody else's life whatever you give me. We'll wait a few more moments and we're going to pray for you. I want to give a second call at the same time. We're talking about four people that everyone needs in their lives. We need a Paul. I've been walking with God almost 44 years. I got a couple Pauls in my life. I need them. I need them. And you need them. If you're here this morning and you need a Paul, you need somebody 
to come alongside and just help you in your growth in God. Folks, there's no shame in that. There's great nobility and great courage and wisdom in saying, I know what I need. I need somebody to help me make this journey and do it successfully. If that's who you are, I'm going to ask you to come and join us at the altar. We're going to pray with you all. So Pastor Chris is going to join me in a moment, and we're going to pray. But if you know you need someone in your life who can help you, help strengthen your journey in Christ so you can walk in the ways of God, I want you to come. Thank you, God. This is what we're going to do also because we want to help facilitate this. Next Sunday, we're going to have at one of the desks a place where you can actually sign, sign up and just let us know. Let us know who you are and, and which response you Do you need a Paul? Are you looking and making yourself available to be? And we want to help you. We want to help those who need some instruction. We want to do that. Those who need to find someone who can help them, we want to do our best before God to help with that. If you want to send an email to my email this week and let me know, then, then do that somehow. Get in touch. But certainly next week we're going to make that corporately available because we want to help. Folks, I'm telling you, if we take this seriously, if we take what we're doing this morning seriously, it can change our lives and change the lives of others because this is solidly biblical. This is something we need. We need to be and we need to receive in our lives. Amen? I want to pray for those who feel that mantle of Paul resting upon them. And then Pastor Chris is going to pray for those who are looking for Paul to come alongside. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your grace upon us. We thank you, God, for the strength of your word. And God, I thank you that, Lord, as we study the lives of these whom we need so much, God, there's a need for Paul. There's a need for those who are willing to say, I don't know everything, but I'm willing to give away what I know. I want to disciple. I want to make myself available to mentor, to be a parent, whatever it might be called. I want to be used by you, Lord God. I pray for each person who has responded and who is responding. I pray for those who want so desperately to stand but feel, I don't know if I can do it. They can by the enabling of the Holy Spirit. So God, strengthen each one. Strengthen each one. And God, not just for this moment, show us what the next steps in this journey will be. That God, we may see us fulfill this pattern you've given to us in your word. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, we pray for those right now, Lord, who are reaching out, Lord. They see the need for the Paul in their life, for someone who will come alongside of them that will say to them, follow me in which the manner in which I have followed Christ. Lord God, someone who intentionally pour themselves in and reproduce what you've done in their life in their life. Lord God, I thank you for those that have that awareness, Lord, that hunger that's developing in their heart, knowing whether they're young or they're old, they're not done in their journey and they need someone else or reach out and lend that hand to help them come and be formed in you. So Lord, I pray that you would send to them quickly someone, Lord God, that would come to their mind and may they, just as Pastor Ron said, may they be able to be intentional to schedule a time to sit down and to articulate that need, Lord God. And as you do that, Lord, I pray that you would divinely connect people, Lord God, by your grace, so that we can see as Evangel Church that we would see changed lives, changing lives, as in the one-on-one -on -one environments, 
lives are being shaped, Lord God, in your image. Disciples are being made. So, Lord, we commit to you this word. We commit to you this journey, Lord God. And we thank you today, Lord, for those that have stepped forward to say, I want to be a Paul. I need to see a Paul in my life. So, Lord God, grant the answer to those prayers quickly, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Can we give it up for God? Is that all right? Amen. For those who came forward this morning, look for what God is going to do. And we'll do all we can to help facilitate that. Pastor Rick's going to lead us in the closing chorus. As you go this afternoon, go knowing that God loves you and so do we. Praise God. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.